Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish, sponsored by our friends at Paychex. Today, we are going to be talking about education, some of the changes, some of the challenges, some of the adaptations that both educators, students, and parents have had to go through since the pandemic began. And we're going to talk maybe a little bit about the next generation of the workforce, too. Uh, Trish, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Trish, as we record this, it's a little bit before Thanksgiving and H3 HR is taking a little Thanksgiving break. I've been informed, we are. which is excited. So there's the question. If you were going to take just, just a day off, like a mental health day, a recharge, rest up day, just a normal day, not, not a crisis day or anything mm-hmm. like that. Just I'm taking a day for me. What would that day look like, Trish? What would you do? Well, that's a tough question. If you're asking what I would do, I would, because I think I have like ADHD, I would probably do way too many chores around the house and catch up on things. But if you were actually asking me what I should do to relax, I should actually just find a good book, curl up on the couch with a nice warm blanket and truly relax. But I'm not very good at that. Mm. I don't know. What, what would you do? Would you have like a thing you go do or would you truly just. Oh yeah. I'd have a whole list. Chill at home? Yeah. I'd, have a list. Okay. I'd, I'd uh, watch some soccer, probably okay. German soccer or perhaps English league. I would exercise. I would maybe go for a jog. Then I'd barbecue for a while. Doesn't this sound like every weekend you've ever had a little bit? As it turns out, that's like pretty much every <laughs> Saturday. So you're like living the um, relaxation life. Yeah, but if I do, did all that on a Tuesday, then that would be even better. That would be a true mental health day. That's but, what okay, I would do. If you did it on a Tuesday, you'd probably have to actually work on a Saturday. So that doesn't seem fun. Okay. We'll have to ask our guests. We will. So uh, I hope folks are getting time off or will get time off or have gotten time off by the time they hear this uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. We are very excited, Trish, to welcome uh, a special guest today, Johnny Coppert. He's from Waterloo, Illinois, Trish. I know somebody else from Waterloo. He's uh, a school board member there. He's a high school parent, and he's the executive director of the National Corn to Ethanol Research Center. Johnny was born and raised on a grain and livestock farm near Pinckneyville, Illinois, as who wasn't. He's degreed in agriculture economics and agricultural policy. His focus at the National Corn to Ethanol Research Center is focused on the commercialization of products and technologies in the biotech industry. That sounds very complicated. It is. Johnny's also a licensed aviator pilot. That's very cool. That's probably the second coolest little snippet of bio we had. Didn't we have like a special agent on the we show, like a formal FBI one, special one agent. That was pretty FBI. cool. So, so Johnny gets number two. Number seven. two. Okay. All Johnny, right, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. It's great to be here, Steve and Trish. Good to see you. Johnny, if you you got a lot going on, apparently. So I don't know if you get to take a mental health day, but if you did, what would you do? What would be your like, hey, I'm chilling today. I'm taking a break for me. So so Steve, I'm, I'm like you. I'd have a list. Um, my wife affectionately says that I live my life in the form of an outline because uh, <laughs> because I do. So but if it was a true mental health day, that one's actually pretty easy. I was born and raised on a farm, so I would head back to my parents' farm. Nice. That is that is my bastion of, of calm. So that's exactly where I would go. And when I would be there, I would just hang out. Maybe Love do it. a little bit of ATV riding. Maybe just walk around in the woods. Yeah. Just experiencing the silence. That, that would be my mental perfect. health day. That yeah. sounds pretty good. <laughs> I love being in the woods. That'd be perfect. Well, Johnny, we are uh, so glad you're here to talk a little bit uh, adjacent to maybe the normal subject matter we talk about, right? We don't really talk about education too much, but we talk about workforce training a lot, but not really so much about 
you know, primary, you know, even lower than that, like level mm -hmm. education. So maybe we'll just start off with Johnny. Uh, give us a little perspective from from your uh, your post as a school board member. Sure. Uh, and uh, first, how long have you been involved in schools? Yeah. So I love the question about you know not only how long have I been involved in in education board of education, but but what prompted me to get get involved? So I'll, I'll go the latter part first. Um, my wife and I were we're not natives of the community of Waterloo, Illinois where we now live. Like a lot of folks were transplants. We're the parents of an only child. And when our daughter started kindergarten, I felt like I owed it not only to my daughter, but, but to myself to know what was going on in the school in which she was going to be a student. So I started attending school board meetings and I'd go to these school board meetings, the, the third Monday of every month. And Here'd be the Board of Education. Here'd be the administration. There'd maybe be one or two folks representing local newspapers. And then there would be me. <laughs> and, and, and I sat there for a couple of years um, attending these meetings. And, and all of a sudden, I thought, you know, this is something that I think that I'd like to be more involved in. Meaning, instead of just being an attendee, be, be a participant. So in 2013, I ran for school board, um, just was reelected this spring to my third term on the Board of Education and, and absolutely have loved every minute of it, despite the challenges that we're going to talk about yeah, over sure. the last couple of years, have loved every minute of it. Yeah, just one more thing for me, Johnny. How are these campaigns? A lot of mudslinging going on? Oh, are they brutal? Or are we... I'm brutal. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, attack. I'm red meat on, on everything. I mean, in my personal life, my professional life, and when I campaigned for, for school board, when I decided to run for school board in 2012, and I'm very, very transparent about it, there were some things going on within the school district that I just wasn't super fond of. One of the things was in the elementary schools, we had eliminated our, our arts program. I'm a big, big believer in the arts. And we had eliminated that for, for budget reasons. That was one of the things that prompted me to, to very much get involved. So yes, my campaign was not some soft, you know, yeah, you're not playing around, right. campaign. Yeah. I, I, didn't, gotcha. I didn't play around. And, you know, as a non-Waterloo native, uh, there's only three folks by the name of Coppert in the community of Waterloo, Illinois. Do they all live in your, in your home? They live in my home. <laughs> okay. It's me, my wife, and daughter. Gotcha. And, and out of six candidates, um, I came in second in three seats that were open. So I was elected nice. to the Board of Education and, and have been elected twice, twice since. Can you just say, too, though, I think coming, especially in a small town, when you come in and you're new, I've been here five years, it's a challenge because a lot of the people who live in these small towns across the country have grown up in these towns. They have deep ties. Have you had any kind of, I guess, any pressure or barriers because of coming in new or was it a, was it a benefit maybe that you were coming in with different ideas, maybe things they hadn't heard I, of? How, how do people take that? I, I think Trish, I think it was a combination of the two. One of the things that caught me so off guard when I first moved to Waterloo and and then ran for board of education was the first time I was asked, uh, you know, who are you from home or where are you from home? And I said, what does that mean? I'm, I'm me from home, but there's this, there's this phrase in the community of Waterloo. Mm -hmm. Illinois, but, you Never know, who are you? Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's like a thing. So that made me realize mm -hmm. I was a bit of an outsider because all the natives of Waterloo, Illinois and Monroe County, Illinois, they all knew that phrase. Mm -hmm. But there was also, I think, some uniqueness and newness 
that, that some folks, I'd, I'd write letters to the editor. I was crazy on social media with stuff. And, and folks just began to like scratch out, who the heck is this corporate guy? <laughs> you know, who is this outspoken guy? Because we're intrigued by what he has to say. So I really think, Trisha, it was a combination of the two. Some barriers, because I was not a native of here. Folks didn't know the name. Right. But then folks quickly were intrigued by, this guy brings a different perspective. And that's what I campaigned on. Yeah. That's- and, and that's such a great lesson too, just for, you know, again, the stuff we normally talk about in the world of work and the workplace that bringing in that outside perspective in any organization, in any team, it's so valuable and so important, even though there's often resistance to it, right? But we, we see throughout our careers again and again, where that outside perspective, that different way of thinking, just some fresh ideas is so valuable. Absolutely. I mean, I think too, if you don't do that, you wind up with, um, a board member or a board of people who don't get much done, right? And, and it becomes very stagnant. So even though you've been reelected several times, it sounds like, I mean, you're so out there with talking to people in the community, listening to their ideas, which again, is a very maybe different approach than, mm-hmm. than a lot of school boards across the country have. So do you feel like you get a lot of input from your constituents or do they kind of know how you think now and and you're seeing that kind of die down a little bit? Where, do, where does the community stand? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, Trish. And, and, and one of the things I, I, I think that has been very beneficial for me personally, but also professionally, to my fellow board members, to the school district, to the community as, as, as a whole, is just my willingness to talk to anybody at any time about anything. Now, now some folks are a little put off by that. Why, why are you willing to put yourself out there? Well, I'm willing to put myself out there because while I might be an elected school board member, I'm a parent first. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming majority of folks that contact me, either directly or indirectly, they're parents first. As a parent that's complimented by them being a taxpayer in the community, their voice, their opinion deserves to be heard. They know that I'm willing to listen, and therefore I do. Just because I listen, that's not a promise that I can do anything about their issue or their problem, but I'm willing to listen. And more often than not, that's all that folks are looking for. Somebody willing to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Just more of a generic question too, before I know Steve's going to get into more um, with what we've talked about with our our other guests who came from Waterloo High School, but more of a generic question. If, If I'm a listener and I'm, I'm thinking about my own school district, my children's, you know, school district. What would you say to encourage someone maybe to get more involved, right? You, you've been involved since your daughter was yes. very young. Do you, what, what if my kids are just now in high school? Is it too late? Should it's they get not involved? too late. Should they go that route of the board? Should they get into a PTA? What do you think they should do? Get involved, get involved, get involved. One of the unique things that we've witnessed over the last 20 or 21 months, because of the COVID pandemic, we have a greater turnout at board meetings than we've had in my previous seven or eight years on, on the board combined. Now, sometimes those meetings get a bit entertaining <laughs> with some of the opinions and some of the voices that are there. But you know what? Folks are showing up and they're getting involved. And it's never too late. If it's the last quarter of the last semester of the senior year in high school of your child or your student, it's not too late to, to get involved. Johnny, you mentioned the last 20 or 21 months, right? And we can't not talk about that, right? And we've had a lot of shows over those last 20 or 21 months about the pivot to work from home and maybe bringing people back to the offices Mm -hmm. and maybe not and testing mandates and vaccine mandates. We've covered the workplace 
angles of this pandemic a yeah. mm-hmm. hundred different ways. What we haven't really talked too much about, maybe not at all really about is uh, the impact on education other than like sort of personally, right? Cause Trish, you have kids right. in the Waterloo school system in high schools and many of our listeners have had kids, school age kids, of course. I love Johnny, if you could look back uh, to last probably March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about what was that like when, hey, the world's changing, things are getting worse, people are starting to get scared and, and the school needs to react. And if you could just reflect a little bit back on those very early days and yeah. what were you talking about, what were you thinking about? And then what did you end up having to do, say, in spring of 2020? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Steve. Well, first off, I remember exactly what day it was. It was March 16th. I remember exactly where I was. Um, one of the things that I do in my personal time is uh, I play trumpet. I've played three musical instruments for, well, I'm not going to say how many years. That'll give away how long. <laughs> Just a long time. We'll leave it like that. And on occasion, I'll pick up my trumpet and I'll join in with our high school band. Oh, and, that's fine. And, and the, the high school was getting ready getting ready to conduct a, a talent show. And the band director had asked me whether I would MC the talent show. I said, sure. He's like, hey, why don't you bring your trumpet along? He goes, we got a little jazz band performance that we're going to do during the talent show. I said, great. So here it was, it was rehearsal. It was practice for the talent show. Here I had my trumpet. I was playing with the jazz band. Long story short, that was March 16th. The very next day, there was a meeting of the Board of Education. Whenever it was announced, don't have a choice. We're going remote the next two weeks. And this wasn't, this was not a local decision, right? This was like an across the board, across the, across the state. Okay. Statewide then. Statewide. Um, I don't think that anybody thought that it was going to be longer than two weeks. I, I, I really, really don't. All indicators were two weeks, let this COVID bug, let this thing calm down. But boy, the next thing you know, whenever students were requested, then required to clear out their lockers Mm -hmm. and clear out all their belongings, it's like, okay, this is this is very, very real. Um, None of us in our lifetimes, there's not a human being in this community old enough that's lived through a pandemic before, especially a global pandemic. It was not chaos, though, Steve. Mm-hmm. It was it was not chaos. It was concern. And that's where we were collectively, at least in the onset of this pandemic and going remote. Can you talk a little bit about how does a school board, are there are there set sort of guidelines to handle? I mean, maybe not a pandemic <laughs> per se, but any type of unexpected change, because I think, too, in the workplace, there aren't a lot of companies that have an outlined process or strategy even in place. So we've heard a lot from, you know, different organizations, um, profit, non-for-profit who have just struggled because they didn't have any kind of plan. Does a school district, does a school board have any sort of, sort of plan for any kind of crisis that comes up? Or was that something you all had to make up in in conjunction with the state school board, obviously in, in guidance, but was that something that you had to make up or was there a a guideline for you? I think it would depend on how you define crisis, right? You know, uh, tornadoes, uh, school intruders, those, those sorts of crises. There was definitely not, not a manual. (laughs) There was, there was no playbook on what in the world do you do whenever you've got to send nearly 3000 kids um, remote. And Oh, by the way, we have to figure out how to teach them while they, um, while they are remote, you know, things like zoom, some of us had never even heard of it, much less used it. Virtual learning, what the heck even is that? Virtual communication, how how do I do that? 
But what we quickly realized again, hey, we're all in this together. This this is a non-judgmental time. We we have to be patient. At least that's how it was, Steve, early on. Yeah. It began to change <laughs> over time. Yeah, I'd love to then get into that a little bit more, Johnny, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of impact on students. Trish, you've seen that in your own kids, right? Mm -hmm. We're part of the school district and everybody's listening has seen the impact on kids who were thrust into remote learning. And mm -hmm. I, I know there's a million stories out there. Every kid adapted to it differently. Some did okay with it, some didn't, et cetera. Uh, from my perspective, I'm, I'm interested in, in, in maybe we don't hear enough about, uh, Johnny, I love your comment about it, is um, the educators themselves, teachers, teaching assistants, those involved in actually delivering those services to the students, right? They were perhaps not prepared as well, right? Uh, I'd love for you to comment a little bit about what did you and your teams do and what, what did you see working well to try to help them, right, uh, get through this and still kind of manage this really complex mix of trying to do their jobs, educate their students, take care of their own kids, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Who might be at home if they have them or, or their elderly family members, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love for you to comment a little bit about that perspective. So I'd like to start with the middle one first. And, and something that, that we can't lose perspective of is the fact that a very high percentage of our teachers, while they might be educators professionally, they're parents as well, and, and they're parents first. So they had their children to be concerned about many of which were students in the school district. And then, you know, how do I conduct these remote learning lessons, so on and so forth. I think collectively, we did a very, very good job given the circumstances. Now, that being said, were there some struggles? Absolutely. Depending on levels of experience with technology, advanced technology, that's what set, I think, the curve or the learning curve on how some of the educators were, were, able, to, were able to adapt. Um, how able were they to pick up utilizing new technology, virtual learning, Zoom classes, even recording a class? How do you do that? Um, so, so, so yes, I, I think the thing that, that I was most inspired by, again, in the early days of this was the support that I saw, not only the internal support, for the educators, meaning they really bonded as a team, helping each other, assisting each other, but, but support that we saw across the community as, as well. Without that support, I think the challenge could have been far greater than what it was. Did you see any person or group of people emerge maybe as leaders because they had a good understanding maybe of technology or just had used some sort of remote technology before, maybe that weren't in leadership roles? I know in organizations, we started to hear about stories where, you know, maybe someone who was more mid-level was really good at handling Zoom meetings or, or so forth. And they started becoming almost advisors to their leadership. Was there any of that in the school district? Absolutely saw that. I mean, folks that rise above and beyond in, in difficult situations and difficult environments. Um, and sometimes the un, it's the unexpected, right? right. Sometimes it's that educator that person that you know on the surface they seem to be the individual that's maybe a little more shy mm -hmm. or sometimes th they're the one that sits in the background they're the one that doesn't want to be noticed all of a sudden they're, they're dealt this hand mm -hmm. that nobody could expect and they're the one that rises up and and you know what maybe it's just a level of comfort that they have in a challenging environment but maybe it is more directly experience related maybe they are more comfortable with advanced technology and therefore they can take those skills that they have or they've learned and they pass those along to others. We, we saw that in droves here in the here in the Waterloo community. And if it's okay to point out one name in, in particular, I think now about our 
assistant principal that we have at our junior high, you know, Amber Cruiser, who's very, very involved on all things technology. Heck, she's helped this board of education for nearly the last two years, you know, with these things, you know, remote board meetings, Zoom board meetings, how in the world do you even do these things? Well, well, Amber's just one example. Um, Nick Hergenreiter, who essentially runs our, our IT department. These are just a couple of folks that really went above and beyond to help their peers within the school district. It, it's something that will be forever remembered. Yeah. Will there be any opportunities, do you think, over time where people like that will have maybe greater promotion opportunities because they rose to the occasion? I don't mean those two right. specifically, obviously, but just people who maybe, maybe it's a kindergarten teacher who just went above and beyond on being very you know, outgoing and creative with how they were teaching a, a class or something. Is there any, I mean, does the board kind of look at that or do principals look at that sort of thing in the workplace about those people might rise up maybe to become the future assistant principals or principals of a school? Right. So performance reviews, which I, I think education has a different term for it than performance review, right? <laughs> in the private sector, in our, in our professional lives, we, we, we call them performance reviews. But I'm certain that whenever building principals are administrators, and they're the ones that conduct the reviews, performance reviews of teachers and, and educators, I'm certain that those things probably probably uh, stand out. And, and we as members of the Board of Education, when we see it, you know, as a parent of a, of a child in the district, when I would see it firsthand, I was certain, certain, certain to make it known in a, in a board meeting, hey, I, I saw this teacher, I saw this educator, I saw this administrator go above and beyond, rise up during these difficult time period. So it, it absolutely goes, get, gets noticed. Good, thank you. Johnny, I have a couple more questions that sure. I wanted to get into uh, around sort of educating the workforce of the future and a little bit about working parents. But first, Trish, we must thank our sponsors. We have to, Our yes. friends at Paychex. This episode of the HR Happy Hour is brought to you by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Financial capital has long been established as a key driver of business performance, but today business leaders are increasingly recognizing the importance of their human capital in driving success. Download Paychex's latest guide to discover why breaking down the silos between HR and finance can result in better business strategy and growth as well as 14 simple HR metrics your team should be tracking and why. To download the ebook, please visit payx.me slash fdmresearch. That's payx.me slash fdmresearch. Thanks to our friends at Paychex. Thank you. And I feel like that would be great reading for this weekend. Don't you think? On a mental health day? Read on a mental health day. Read about 14 metrics for I HR? Feel, I feel okay. like you should. I probably would enjoy that. I, you know, it's funny. I was asking you on the work break today um, about learning and how, you know, we use Outlook and it will ask you if you want learning time. If you're someone that books your learning time, as you should, into your week ahead, I feel like that's a good use of your, uh, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, wouldn't you say? I absolutely would, Trish. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right, back to Johnny. So Johnny, a <laughs> couple of things for me. So sure. uh, you mentioned you, you're, you're, an edu- uh, you're a member of the school board, but you're, you're a parent first. Many of the educators are also parents first. The working world, the workplace is full of working parents. And I think if nothing else, the last couple of years have shown organizations of all kinds that, boy, your working parents who are working in your organization, man, they've got an incredible set of challenges, particularly, as you said, Johnny, back in 2020, when with a day's notice, all the students were mm-hmm. sent home for at-home learning and parents who had to scramble 
right? To try to figure out how they're going to manage that, especially if they had to leave the home, right? To go to the workplace, which quite honestly, most of us were doing, right? Still, it was still happening. Yeah. So I'd love for you to comment a little bit, just maybe generally, I guess, and your, your thoughts of what can HR leaders, business leaders, et cetera, kind of just think about and consider and be more just mindful of the challenges that the parents in their organizations are going through on a day-to-day basis. Right. Well, over the last 20 to 21 months, I mean, I've, I've seen it firsthand. One of the things that, that I take great pride in as an employer is family first. And everybody that knows me, again, whether it's in my personal life, whether it's in my professional life, they know that when it comes to Johnny Copert, family comes first, uh, no matter what. I, I think there were a few over the last couple of years in supervisory positions, employer type positions, maybe some HR positions, that the learning curve for them was, was a little bit steeper. When, when I think in particular about the single parents out there, maybe the single parent mom who was working two part-time jobs just to be able to put food on the table and pay bills. And all of a sudden, through no fault of her own, she has these challenges that she never thought she would experience in her lifetime. There's, there's not a school for her child to go to. There's not a daycare for her to go to. Daycares that are open aren't taking any more children. She has to continue to work again, to to be able to pay bills, this was unprecedented. And I think some employers and some HR executives, frankly, handled that better than, than, than others did. Regardless of how well we handled it, we certainly all learned that in the future, we need to, number one, be much more open-minded than some of us were and adapt to things. Not everything is in a square little box and we must be willing to adapt and think outside of the box. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just talking with someone yesterday, one of our clients, and she was saying that, you know, we had a meeting scheduled and she had a sick toddler. And so I said, of course, let's just reschedule the meeting. And she goes, oh no, she's asleep. But like we went ahead and did it, but it was just someone telling you that. I don't think I would have had someone tell me that two years ago, Mm -hmm. right? You wouldn't say, oh, I'm I need to work and be at home with my baby and all this. You just didn't do it. And so if, I mean, a lot of bad, of course, comes out of a pandemic, but a lot of good does too. And I think that open lines of communication from employers, employers seeing leaders have the same struggles that kind of levels the playing field a little bit. If you're, if you are an HR leader, if you're the CEO, CFO, whatever, you might have the same challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, I think too, the other thing we haven't really talked about with all of this, all these topics is that we were actually dealing with people who were sick too in the midst of it. It wasn't just that we were right taking care of kids who are now we're schooling them from home. I know when, when that day came along, um, you know, my sister and I quickly got our high schoolers together and we started doing master class because the school district was in the middle of planning what was going to happen. Right. We didn't want to miss a step. Right. So we were like, we're going to teach these kids, but it was also the stress of, well, someone in our family could get sick. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an older person could get sick or whatnot. Have you had um, much communication? I know a lot of people are showing up for board meetings and such, or maybe calling you. Have you heard any positive stories around how people have been feeling more supported because, and maybe it's the teachers being more supported um, when they have sick parents, sick children. Has any of that happened? We- that maybe you didn't feel like they had before? Right. We, you know, it's interesting because in, in challenging times, it's the extreme vocal minority, the the, the loudest voice that, that that garners the attention. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It, it, it's, it's just a thing. Right. 
but it's often the hundreds, maybe thousands of great things that go untold that you never hear about because people just do it. Maybe it's a teacher that reached out to a student weekly because they knew that that student was struggling while they were in school. Or maybe they know that that student has a difficult home life. And these are things that just some of us just take for granted. And those stories, I mean, you can literally write books mm -hmm. on the stories of, of, of the good things that occurred over the last 20 to 21 months. We, I, I can say that, again, in the eight plus years that I've been on the school board, we truly saw um, more bonding, more bonding in the last 20 to 21 months than, than I've seen in the previous years combined. I mean, we really bonded as a family mm -hmm. in, in this community. And um, I don't see that bond being broken. And I think that's a very, very positive thing for education moving forward. One, one of the things, though, that that, uh, that I just have to mention, though, is with all of this, you know, remote learning out of school, as a parent, but also as a board member, I was very, very outspoken about when our kids can be back in school, we need them to be back in school. The whole social, emotional, mental health part of it, right? I mean, as human beings, we want to interact with other humans. And I saw it in my own daughter, who's an only child, being away from her friends, being away from her cheer team. This daughter of mine over four to five months time almost got to the point where I wasn't even recognizing her, not physical, but just mm -hmm. her as, yeah. as, as a person. So having them back in school, in person, I know that remains controversial with some to this day. And I respect the heck out of that. But also very much believe that as human animals, we need that social interaction, which is great for the kids. Yeah, I talked to a, a gentleman who used to be my benefits broker yesterday and when I was a practitioner and he was kind of saying the same thing about bringing employees back. He's like, we, we just want them back. We're not going to make them come back, but we see a change in mental, you know, just awareness and, and well-being when we're not together. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there is something to be said for there. There are benefits to it. I mean, I, I, I will say having my two at home for an additional year before they go off to college for me was good. Right. I had a job where I was already working from home and I could maybe accommodate a little easier than some other people who didn't have that luxury. But I, I will say for them, being back in school was was much better for mental health and for their social well-being as yeah. well. I wonder, do you have any thoughts on what that might look like though? As these, as these kids, this group of maybe high schoolers or college age students who have, you know, gone through this. When they enter the workforce, do we think there's going to be any fallout? I mean, I guess it's too early to tell, but do you have any, just any sort of kind of look into <laughs> your crystal ball? What do you think as, as a parent, as someone who deals with a lot of teenagers? How, how so do you I only have, I only have an opinion on it. And I, I think the number of college bound students getting degrees in social work, I think it's going to explode. <laughs> I, think, oh, okay. I think there's going to be more degrees right. in social work over the next maybe four to eight years <laughs> than we than we ever could have imagined I'm just because of, you know, experiences as a student right. um, are are at home. And and, and again, I, I, I think about my my own family. My, my wife works in, in in healthcare. She never worked remote, right? She went into work every single day, never missed a day. I'm executive director of a, of a biotech research center. We never went remote. We were, we were at work every single day throughout this. And then I think about my daughter. So my daughter was 15, then turned 16 during this pandemic. She was able to stay home alone 
do the school activities and stuff. But what if she would have been younger right. and we wouldn't have had daycare sure. or we wouldn't have had childcare. It had been a whole different experience right. for the, for the corporate family. So yeah, so many lessons learned yeah. through this. Absolutely. Yeah. This is great stuff, Johnny. We could go on and on and on, I'd imagine. Uh, but perhaps we will on another show because uh, we, we do want to bring you back, Johnny, to talk about the other half of your life, right. if you will. Happy to. Right? And, and some <laughs> of the science that we're into and some of the, uh, I also want to get into like, uh, you know, the challenges of finding, you know, STEM talent and training people for these oh, high tech jobs of the future. I want to get into some of that too. We'll do that on sort of part two of our conversation with you, Johnny. But for part one, thanks so much for joining us. Thank and you. Sort of shedding some light sort of behind the scenes on like, everything we've read about we've heard about right we some of us have lived through it but we really you know don't really get don't i don't know. get to talk to right. uh board members and folks who are involved in the decision making and the implementation of the uh, of all the changes that have happened in schools and supporting students and supporting educators and supporting parents through all of this it's it's really fantastic uh, and educational for me too so johnny thanks so much for joining us thank you appreciate it all right good stuff trish good stuff right i feel like i've learned a ton and i think it, it's really interesting how it really applies to what we're going through in the workplace as well, right? The same types of, of decisions and planning and just being thrown into it. It's it's good to hear actually that it was that well thought out at the education it's, level as well. And I think it's a, kids are going it's through. a good reminder for the sort of the the, the private the, the public sector, no, the, the private employers, right? It's a good reminder that the, the leaders who are debating these uh, things about say returning to the workplace mm -hmm. and when and how long and flexible working policies, et cetera, et cetera, the more transparent they can be about the conversations, the discussion Absolutely. points, the, the more that they can share with the employees, the better off everyone's going to be because they're going to feel like they're part of that process and they're going to feel like they were included. And, and even if they don't agree, right, with the outcome, at least they feel like maybe that they were understood and they were listened to. And I think that's really important as well. That's right. a good lesson. And to consider what your local school districts are doing as well. Yeah. I think, you know, that's probably my big takeaway from this too is I wouldn't have thought of that as maybe a catalyst for the way if I'm the employer that I'm handling things, but what is my local school district doing? Could I even talk to my local school board to get some advice or superintendent to get advice on what to be doing in my workplace? I know we, we well, sort of I, like wrapped up the show. We didn't even really get into this. Johnny hinted at it a lot, which is, but it's a, it provides a better uh, awareness, I think for me and hopefully listeners too, but this our, our communities are an ecosystem of institutions Absolutely. and they're all related. So yes. what happens in the school has impact on what happens at home, what happens in other workplaces, what happens in healthcare, what happens in public yes. service and first responders, right? It's a circle and it's all connected. We're going right? to get Johnny more phone calls. Good stuff. Yes. All right. <laughs> I need to stop because I'm talking too long after the show. Johnny, thanks so much. Trish, thanks so much. Thanks to our friends at Paychecks, of course. Uh, remember, all the show archives are at hrhappyhour.net. Uh, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now.